everyone. Welcome to Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. How are you doing today, Dave? Kat, I'm doing good, feeling blessed. How about yourself? I'm doing great. You know, I have my high-octane yes, coffee sitting right see, here. I've got to reach for mine. <laughs> yes, I made sure. I... Yeah, okay, and Kat, hey, let me see that fancy coffee thermos thing you got there. Hey, that's cool. Keeps it hot literally for 12 hours. Oh, Arctic trip sometime soon. <laughs> so, as they like to say, did you bring enough for the whole class? It did. <laughs> this is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can also find all of our episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show, or you can find us on our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. This show was recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Okay, everyone, welcome back. And that wonderful music uh, you are listening to is George Mancini, uh, jazz pianist, uh, has played all around the world. Anyway, we haven't had a chance to listen to it in a while, so I thought, hey, this was a good start. Love it. So. Cat, I assume you went and got the high octane from uh, Mercer's Coffee House there. Oh, I did. I got it early because I went, <laughs> didn't have time right before the show. <laughs> right, because you were busy today. Yes. You started teaching your first class here at the Visual Arts Center for the season, right? Yes, I did. Every Tuesday I have a morning class. It's an advanced class, how to paint like the masters, and then I have the afternoon class, which is actually an intro to the class. It's, it's titled the same, but it's just an intro, how to paint like the old masters. Yes, it is. And there's a reason we brought <laughs> that subject up. So here we are. This is kind of a special episode today that we're going to do for you, the listeners. Yes. So if you all have been following the show for a while, then you know that every now and then we get a little bit of time between doing all those interviews with all those wonderful, talented people that come on the show. So we can sit down and kind of do a show like this today with just us in the studio. So me and Kat thought we have a little time here before we do the next interview to carve out some time to get back to you. So this is why Kat and I will be talking art, of course, right? to cover some of those uh topics that you've been asking about and we had to kind of go through all that and and we had to pick some some of those topics and before we forget we want to also mention the fact that we are going to check in with our art correspondent yes uh our first one right on our show uh here a little bit with uh, sandra down in fort myers it's part of the new series that we're also doing and so kat we're going to start with you and your classes. <laughs> so some of the things that we are going to uh, go into in depth is uh, from your first interview. Right. When we were all sitting down there with Gina. So with that being said, let's, uh, let's just kind of cover some things. So how about we start with some of the terminology we're going to use here. Okay. Let's go through that. So let's start with definition for style when painting and why it's fundamentally important to understand that. about it painting is you're basically solving problems mm -hmm. you know trying to achieve a certain look and a style is actually the way that you solve the problem explain um, that 
When I was going through undergrad, I had teachers saying, you got to do your own style, think of your style. And I didn't know what that meant. But if you look out there, there's so many different styles. You have very painterly to paintings that show absolutely no brushstroke and you think they're, that you don't even know they're a painting. So you have a whole range in there or just texture. Now, you and I have had several discussions about style. Texture is one of those, but it's not the only way of describing style so that you can set your palette up accordingly. Exactly. That's one meaning of it, but mm -hmm. I think when you're starting to get into, well, you have to have a signature style as an artist. That's how people identify you. No matter what you paint, they can identify you, which could be texture, but it can also be the way that you express light. Right. Some people have a very neutral sense of color, like they have a cooler sense of mm -hmm. color into the neutrals. Some people, they can look at the same thing and see all these warms come through. But it's really also about mark making. Yes. And your mark making is gonna follow your thought process. Let's say you have two painters that are trying to achieve the same effect. Right. Um, or how they perceive that effect. Yeah. They're gonna think about it differently and their approach to it and their journey to that effect is going to be a little bit different. It's like solving a math problem. When you get into algebra, I guess even like trigonometry, you can arrive at the same answer through a different route. Yeah, different formula. Exactly. And that different route can actually dictate how you apply the paint. Are you going to take a brush and do it through strokes, kind of linear strokes, or are you going to take the paintbrush and kind of do dabbing kind of strokes to get a visual effect? Mm -hmm. But now between the two, you have a different style. Mm -hmm. But the way that you're thinking about this effect, let's say you're thinking about it like the way that I'm going to achieve that is I have to dab the paint. You're, every time you, you have a similar effect or you're getting an effect of light, and you tend to dab a paint, that's gonna be part of your style, that application of the paint. What style application do you prefer to use? Believe it or not, I like to work with very small brushes. Even if they're large paintings, I work very efficiently, effectively fast, you know, with them. I cover a lot of surface area. It's because the way that I keep applying that stroke, where someone else can take a two-inch house painter's brush just through one sweep, yeah, get stroke. it, mm -hmm. a broad stroke and get it. And, and we, we solve the problem. We're kind of conveying the same thing, but there's a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. But that becomes your style. So actually my oil paintings, even though they're deeper, richer color, the brush stroke handling is very similar to my egg tempera's and vice versa. Okay. It's just that the medium lends itself to being deeper, darker, richer, or very high key. Right. But if you look at a lot of my oil paintings, you'll see that, oh, um, I, I'm seeing a similarity there. Uh, unless it's, it's like a trompe l'oeil where I'm trying to get rid of brush stroke. Right. It 3D effect. Exactly. Coming off of the, off the canvas. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's move on to the next topic. A little more definition of, I guess, colors and the hues and the tints. So when you say chroma, and you just go for it, cat, since you're not going to share the, I'm going to sit over here and sip my lukewarm coffee. <laughs> chroma is interchanged with intensity of the color. Mm -hmm. 
it, the brighter intensity is higher. Mm -hmm. So the the level of intensity, chroma is used interchangeably with that. So you can say, wow, that's a really bright chroma red, mm -hmm. or the intensity is really bright. So for painters out there, if you take a CAD red light, it's going to be of higher intensity than if you were to take um, an earth red mm -hmm. color, like or a Venetian red, let's say. That's going to be a little bit more subdued. I don't want to grade down is just a term, but just meaning it's more. It's not necessarily has gray in it, but it's it's just it's not as bright. Exactly. All right. So how about tonality? And just for example, to help everyone kind of visualize this, kind of a kind of a visual aid, we'll just think of it as if you were painting a sphere or a, a round ball, right, with light coming from one direction. Correct. Tonality, you can have a very high chroma color, or the intensity of the red is very high, but as it travels or if it turns away into shadow, the intensity goes down. Tonal range from that really high, intense, heated red is going to slowly cool off as it falls away into shadow, incrementally. And even the direct light hitting the color can wash it out. Exactly. So yeah. the value can be very high, but it's not as intense. Mm -hmm. So usually the plane, the side plane, or the plane that is oblique to the direct light coming in is where you can see the true local color. And usually that's where you find the highest chroma of that color. So it's, it's really all about seeing and <laughs> really investigating there to see what's going on. And you solved the sign of we're running low on coffee. <laughs> so everyone, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. I'm Janet Watermeyer, Executive Director of the Visual Arts Center, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts talk show. Okay, we are back from break, and we want to make sure that we thank Janet Watermeyer, right? Yes, the, yes. The uh, Director of VAC. Yeah, the Executive yeah. Director here at the Visual Arts Center, where we record here in the library. So, Kat, moving on. Next topic. This whole adventure started here for you. Uh, it all kind of began back in 2013, right? Yes, I've actually been here since 2013. And you've been teaching classes ever since? Yeah, yeah th this, yeah, wow. I can't believe it's already been five years. Yeah, Wow. crazy, huh? Just seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> See, time flies when you have fun. <laughs> there you go. So I had a chance to peek in your classroom when I got here, just to let you know I was here on site. And I recognize some familiar faces in there, so you've got repeat students. Yes, I have uh, repeat students with the advanced sure. class, Absolutely. and yeah. I just always love having new students. And then it's the perfect methodology that I teach of the old mm -hmm. masters. It really addresses the fundamentals, so okay. it's perfect for someone who's never even picked up a paintbrush before. But it's also perfect for someone that's been painting for 30 years. Right, that's true, because, you know, again, I mentioned I pop in your classes every now and then just to take a look at all that wonderful work and I notice that in advanced classes the amount of talent there is incredible and then again your beginning class and I have a question I know we talked about this how do you describe the methods that you teach in the class so it's okay. really an indirect method of painting okay 
where you build up the painting in thinner layers of paint and glazes, but you start off with a monochromatic underpainting. And what you mean by monochromatic underpainting is you're basically, you're coating or toning the whole canvas in one color. Right. Whether it's pure or mixed color. Right. Then you go from there with that basic uh, hue of color and then you, you manipulate it with making your tints and your shades and, and such, right? Exactly. So for example, you can just even use something like black mixed with white and make a string of values out of that. Right. You can also do that with an earth color, like raw umber, burnt umber. You can do it with a more uh, chromatic color. Uh, it's still an earth color, like an Indian red. You can make a, a red string value. So it's almost like you have your red through pinks all the way to white value of that red, you know, when you mix it with white. Mm -hmm. So you have your different values between light and dark. Yes. So for me as a painter, I, struggled with color. Right, and apparently a lot of other artists do, especially starting out. I know I did starting out. That was one of the biggest feedbacks we had from the listeners out of the show, the interview, that connected with you on that on that same issue. Okay, right. Well, first of all, you have to identify the hue, which is the color family, but then you have to identify the intensity of that hue. Mm -hmm. So what is the intensity of that red? Is it really intense? Is it, I guess, a little bit more grayed down? Right. Like, is it a bright or is it shaded? Exactly. Or something that's value-wise, but something more neon or just subdued. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can think of that range. The value, you know, what, what is the, the value of that color? Right. What is the intensity of the color that you need? So Kat, let me ask you, what do you tell your students? What's the most important part to keep in mind when you start layering on top of that monochromatic, i.e. single color base on your canvas? So the most important thing about a painting, especially when you're trying to show depth of space, mm -hmm. is to get your value range correct. So you can technically do a painting, change the color of something, if if you have the value range correct, no one's going to know the painting's going to look correct. Right. So again, you can change the color of something on your painting, but the dimension and everything else won't change because you had all the values in your layers correct. Exactly. But if you're trying to show a depth of space mm -hmm. and you have your value hierarchy a little bit off, like maybe something is receding in space, maybe it's pushed back, the value's a little bit darker. Mm -hmm. If you get the value range to in the same range as something that's in the foreground, you know, that is getting more light, it's going to pull that background forward and flatten out your picture plane. You're gonna lose the dimensional depth of the painting then. You, exactly, you lose the depth of the painting. You can always change the color as long as it fits in that value and tonal hierarchy and leave in the background, but you won't lose anything, still read correctly. And those were the issues that you were struggling with when you started painting. Exactly. So when I was learning how to paint, you know, it's really hard for a beginner because you have to juggle all three components of color, all three dimensions of color. Mm -hmm. You're, you're constantly juggling with that. Right. And then you're juggling with multitudes of colors with that. 
So when I was learning to paint, I actually started to learn from other painters that started off with just one color and they would paint the entire painting. Let's say it was black and white you're using, your color was actually black. Mm -hmm. And they would make progressive piles, like they'll, they'll lay out the black, they'll lay out the white, and then they'll mix the black and white together to get a mid-range. Because you're grayscale. Right, and then they'll take the mid-range color with white and mix a mile between to get your middle lights. Mm -hmm. And you can continue to mix within that to get all the way to your light lights. You can also work from your mid-tone to your black to get all your dark, your shadow colors, the, you know, the darker ranges right. Right. of the color. Okay, so Kat, hold on to that thought because we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to cover these subjects um, that you, our listeners, have been asking for some more discussion on. So hold on. Okay, perfect, great. I'm Tony Walker and I'm a marble sculptor. And I listen to Partnership for the Arts Talk Show. Okay, we are back from break. I want to make sure we thank marble sculptor Tony Walker for that spot. We just interviewed Tony here in the last show. So if you're just joining us, uh, Kat and I are answering questions from you and uh, topics, discussing topics that you all, the listeners, wanted to uh, explore a little bit more. So uh, we decided to take a little time between interviews to do this. So I think we left off with the grayscale of your palette. Right. So why don't you go for it, Kat, while I sit here and continue sipping some more of my coffee. Okay. <laughs> a lot of times when I start a painting, mm -hmm. I start it in the grayscale for my first pass, which is the underpainting, and then I'll go to a full color palette. The reason why I do that and why it's good for someone learning to paint is if you can really build your sensitivity or just really learn to see the subtle value changes. In the grayscale. Right. You're going to be able to see it in color better and work with color, but you're working with one component of color. Right. And also when you do a painting in a grayscale or monochromatically, when you get to the color part, it's going to be the scaffolding there for you. Right. You might uh, mix up a color from your palette that might look like you're in the right tone or, or value range, but when you go to apply it, the underpainting is going to tell you whether you're hit or miss with it. Right. You're saying the first layer you have down, mm -hmm. you're coming back over with it another tone or value on top of that, and it's going to help you judge if you've got that second color, that second layer on there right. Correct. Use the underpainting you can paint very thinly over it with glazes mm -hmm. or thin passes of paint and let the underpainting show through and use part of it. Or there might be portions of the painting that are covered up or shown through. Okay, so that was the technique uh, using grayscale that worked for you to better understand the value of color. Exactly. I felt that it really helped me, trained my eye to see the subtle nuances of value and then when I got into color it, it almost kind of color corrected me and I learned the value of the color. Right so there's a great technique. little insight you're having issues like you did and I did uh, dealing with the the hues and tones and tints of the color. Right. Uh, 
just work with the grayscale. Exactly. Okay, so you ready to uh, move on to the next subject? We were talking, I think one of the biggest questions that we were getting was palette organization. Right. To talk more about that. Yeah, right. And you and I have had several discussions about how we arrange uh, our palettes. And there's several ways of doing it. Correct. Are you going to arrange your hues together? Are you going to arrange things by value and kind of intersperse your different colors or your hues? Okay, so how do you make that decision? What do you tell your students in class? How do you explain that to them? So when I have my students start to work with palette organization, what I actually have them do is like, okay, let's pull out your tube colors and I want to see how would you organize them? Just organize them around a rectangle and I see whether they're going to put all the, the hues together regardless of value or I see if they're separating the values of the colors from light to dark no matter what color family they are. Mm -hmm. That helps me to get an idea of how they're thinking and suggest a palette to start with. Okay, so you just have your students take the tubes of paint lay them out on a table in a rectangle. Right. So you see how they arrange them. Correct. Okay, so that's a great way to get some good insight right away with your students. Exactly. First thing they're thinking about is when they're looking at their subject, what color family am I looking for? Yellow, okay, all my yellows are located here. That's how they're thinking. When I look at something, I actually look at it in terms of value. And, and that's from my drawing background. I look at the value first, and then I'll start to identify the color family, and then within there, the intensity of the color. People are drawn to one way or another. So the same, I found, applies to how you organize a palette. So you'll have your color groupings together, but the values will, will alternate between light and dark. Now, Kat, you don't rearrange your palette according to the subject that you're doing, right? When I get to the color palette, no. <laughs> so when I set up my colors, I actually set up a lot of colors. Now I'll teach with a limited palette so you know how to, to arrive at a color through mixtures. Yes. But over time... The palette and it, grows. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but over time I just accumulated colors. So no matter what I'm painting, I put pretty much all of those colors out because they're always mixtures of something. I'm always mixing the primaries or complementary colors to get to the correct tonality. For example, green will knock down the chroma of a red, but it'll be a particular green for a particular red. And so I put several reds out, several greens out, but they're always in a value order. And then there's a handful of each hue out there. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything that I could arrive at that comes straight out of the tube. You know, when you get into the light and the shade. Exactly. So yeah. And again, and that is working with your palette to get into those different ranges. Exactly. So, for example, most people, most painters, when they look at a subject of paint, the first thing they're going to identify is the color family. So they will arrange the palette according to the color family first. Mm -hmm. Since they're identifying color range am I looking at, my yellows, let me go to my yellows. So they'll put all their yellows there, even if it's a darker earth yellow like a raw sienna, 
Mm -hmm. um, okay. Things like that within the, the yellow family, they'll do that with the oranges. So you can have the cadmium, really high, bright cadmium orange, but then they might put a, an earth red in there that's kind of like an orange in that category. Right, and then on down the line from there. So, cat, we've got to move on to the next. <laughs> so, type, size, and arrangement of the palette. Now, I work with different sizes and I arrange the palette accordingly. So, the artwork I'm working with. But I know you tend to work with just one standard size palette, right? Right. And it actually works for me. 12 by 16 palette and the the length of it you know I, I have it running horizontal the length mm -hmm. and so across the top I'll put the whites through the yellows the oranges reds and then when I get to the corner now I'm a right hand painter on the left hand edge the side I kind of come around to the side of the palette I'll finish up with my red violets let's say or if it goes into red violet like a lizard and crimson then I'll put my blues and greens, you know, in black and maybe really dark earth tones on the side there. Down the left side. Down the left side, correct. If you're a left-hand painter, they usually kind of just flip the palette. Exactly, and, which and, is what I do. Okay, and that's a pretty good palette. Some painters, they work with a limited palette, so if they're working with a flesh, they'll, I, they'll take all their colors that they mix flesh with and they'll string them out from light to dark within each color is very a, a very linear process where your whole palette's covered, but you're kind of going in between coordinates, and it almost looks like you remember that old game where you sank my battleship, yes. and it had all the the grid, and you can plug things in. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine everything's plugged in, but your gradation of all the colors. I tried that, but that was too linear for me. It works great with other people that tend to have a little bit more linear thinking. I used to have to talk myself through it with language. Right, I still do that. You know, which color do I need to mix to make sure I get the, the right uh, result that I'm looking for? Exactly. But it gets to a point after a while that you get rid of the language and you're, and you're doing it very intuitively. Okay, well, Kat, hold on. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you solve the problems of going through and defining your colors and how you work with your color palette because it's... Uh, Quite three-dimensional. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, my name is George Mancini, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts, and it is a rewarding experience. Okay, so we are back from break, and we want to make sure that we thank George Mancini for that uh, spot. And again, this is the music that you've been listening to throughout the whole show. Okay, so Kat, before we went to break, I mentioned it's like 3D for you. Right. Because the process you describe, when you're looking for that color on your palette, that next step, it really does seem like that. Exactly. When I'm actually painting palette that I use, when I look at that, it almost throws up this kind of three-dimensional model in front of me. It puts me into color space dimensionally. Wow. Now, you know, I've got an incredible imagination myself, and I, I've never tried that process, but I, I think I'm going to have to uh, get there because, again, you are a master. I'm, I'm still learning, but I like that idea. So when you're going through this, what's the process? What, where do you start? First thing is value and then the chroma. 
Okay. And it almost happens immediately, but um, let's say I want to start with uh, a very bright red and I have to uh, knock it down to a certain degree to get to that correct or tonality. Mm -hmm. um, I actually visualize walking through color, like I'm walking toward the tone that I need. So when I set up my palette, that is kind of like one and a half color wheels. It throws up this color space for me. It makes me think of, it's almost like a hologram that I'm walking through. So I'm as, I, as I'm painting, I'm actually kind of walking through color space. You know, I just, I love that description of being able to walk through that space and, and walk toward those tones and all that. You know, I, and I'm sure everybody, including me, <laughs> would like to spend the rest of the show <laughs> going through an exercise with you on this, because it's amazing. No doubt, we're gonna have to revisit this in another show. Okay. Because I think everybody, including myself, would like to have a basis for a practice of getting to uh, that level. Okay. But unfortunately, so we've gotta move on. Right. Because we did promise we would get to some of these other subjects and we do have some announcements to make before the show is over. Exactly. So let's talk about the amount of color you use on your palette at one time, because it's really quite a bit. I have a minimum of at least 30, but there's times that I've worked with close to, to 50 with the specialty palettes. But I would say on average, probably, you know, I, I'm gonna say actually 40. I have my go-to colors that I'm always mixing. People think, oh my, you're wasting color. But what I do is I put a little dip out and I usually use up the color during the session. If I don't, one of the things I do is I put, is oil painting mm -hmm. or oil colors. I put it in the freezer. You could put it into a container. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I actually just put my palette in there, and and you keep it cold and it'll save the paint. Exactly, and it lasts a long time. I'll pre-mix my palettes for my classes, and it lasts the whole entire session into the next session. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. works out perfectly. Okay, and again, Kat, we've got to keep moving forward here, and we will get back to another talk oh, yes. about art in fact right yeah right because we have a backlog of them so we've been kind of grouping them together so we can answer right. some of the questions in the majority in we've got to move on so there's a couple of things that we wanted to cover about the show we have been hinting you've seen the promos out there a couple of additions coming to the partnership of the arts talk show where we talk art Oh, I think it's, oh, very tasty, mm, I'll tell you. <laughs> right, and by that, Kat, you mean the new series that Taste of the Arts mm -hmm. said Stacy and Mary are going to be co-hosting, and that will be covering the culinary arts. Right, right. We're excited about I, that. I, exactly, and you know what? It's just expand my mediums to cooking now. I there can't wait go. to hear it, and we have to get them to record during our time because you know they're going to get those samples. Oh, those, they're going to get oh. that. How did we miss out on that? I mean, we were in the beginning of these. How did we miss out on the food? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, moving on, Stacy and Mary, they'll be covering the culinary, not the crayonary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yes, I did mention crayonary. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find out all about that at the end of the show, after the closing theme. Yeah. Just saying. I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, but we also have additions and yes. cast members coming to our show. They pick the title uh, Art Correspondence, which we will be getting with and they'll be covering the arts in their areas, and we're doing this globally. I love it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I think that is fantastic. Right. We'll be checking in with them from time to time, a quick update on the arts going on in their area, and of course that's uh, that'll be across the states and in uh, several parts of the world. So we're excited about those cast members coming Yeah, on. just all connecting artists to artists. There you go. Oh, I love it. Right, and we are going to do that. We are going to actually connect up with our first art correspondent, first report in the field, and that will be here local in the United States, actually, with Sandra in Fort Myers, Florida. And we're going to do that when we come back from this short break. Awesome. This is Bill Olson, drama teacher at Charlotte High School, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts Talk Show. So, Kat, we've been talking about launching our art correspondence and checking in with them. And today is the first episode of that. Kind of excited about it. Oh, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. It's a new adventure. Right. Brand new adventure. We're actually going to check in with Sandra down in Fort Myers. She's going to cover the arts for us there. Via the phone. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to hear. So, Sandra, are you standing by? Are you there? Hey, how are you? Hi, good, Sandra. Good. So how are things in Fort Myers? Fantastic. <laughs> Ready for rainy season to be over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't we know it? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Oktoberfest. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Sandra, as, uh, as we just mentioned, you're going to give us an update on some of the things going on there in Fort Myers. So what do you want to start with? So as I was saying, very excited to be living here in Fort Myers. I've lived here for several years, mm -hmm. actually eight, going on 20. And um, it, I'm very blessed to see how the music scene has exploded and all the different choices that people have to right. have entertainment in their life. So Oktoberfest is coming. But one in particular is the Marlins located here in Fort Myers on Six Mile Cypress. Mm -hmm. They've got some great entertainment coming in. Well, on October 5th, which is a Friday night, Sheena Brooke is going to be performing there from oh. 8 to 11. And if you remember, Sheena Brooke, she was on season 12 of The Voice. Right. And she was picked on Adam Levine's team. Mm -hmm. So after that show, she released her uh, new EP the first time, uh, which that's available on iTunes and Spotify. But she's a Southwest Florida native. Uh -huh. And uh, she's a songwriter. She's really cool, laid back. And pretty entertaining so that's a free show uh, that's at the brew house they have a joining uh, restaurant there called chronic taco so it's just a real laid-back place mm -hmm. fun place to hang out then also on friday october the 19th they've got jason bonham that's going to be there from 8 to 11 awesome um, he's also known his professional name is thunder bear and thunder bear. Um, he's also <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, he's also a singer-songwriter. He, he's from Ohio, but he lives here locally as well. Okay. And in 2014, he won a contest on 96K Rock, a local station here in Fort Myers, and it won him a slot in the Three Doors Down show. Okay. And so when he started in that show, Greg Upchurch and Chet Roberts of Three Doors Down, they liked him so much that they took him to Nashville with him to do recordings with him wow. there. That's impressive. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So now he um, he's working on his debut album right now. He does country, rock, and bluegrass. Mm-hmm. So um, he's going to be playing there October 19th and again on Saturday, October 27th, both from 8 to 11. Okay. So I think that's pretty cool. And then on October 20th, which is a Saturday, also at Marlins Brew House, a duo called Violet Bell is going to be playing there. They do Americana. It's got threads of folk, soul, bluegrass, rock, and classical music. Yeah, it's a really dynamic duo. Um, Lizzie Ross, she's a songwriter, and then Omar Ruiz Lopez, he's a composer and a multi multi instrumentalist. All right. Yeah, and they have well, actually, Omar studied music here at FGCU. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and Lizzie is from uh, University of North Carolina, and they they live in North Carolina now. They've been together just over two years. They've done like 300 shows, and they're working on an album called Honey in My Heart, which is going to set for release in early 2019. So they're going to be playing at Brew House from 8 to 11 on Saturday, October 20th, and I think it's going to be some pretty good entertainment with that one. So definitely yeah. check out Marlon for sure. Stop. Yeah, I think you guys should plan on coming down. I think we just put it on our calendar, Sam. <laughs> Awesome. Very cool. <laughs> I'm just really impressed with the music scene down here. It's really become a mecca. Yes. Sanders right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's, what's really exciting about it is a lot of these are local people. That It's just amazing how, you know, you got people right here doing all this cool mm-hmm. stuff. So. Right. Um, yeah. Very neat. Then, let's see, go back to uh, the first weekend, Friday the 5th the 10-year anniversary of Art Walk. Okay. And that's in downtown Fort Myers. It's mm-hmm. always the first Friday of every month from 6 to 10 p.m. And they have their exhibits and stuff in the galleries. And they have live band music going on and all that good stuff. But what's cool about this is it's the 10-year anniversary um, at the Sydney and Byrne Davis Art Center. They're going to be doing a, and actually the exhibit of the original Art Walk Founders exhibit. Oh, wow. And that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be in the Capitol Gallery, which is the second story of the Sydney Vernon uh, Davis Art Center. That's where it's going to be hanging at. I think it's going to be on exhibit until October the 26th. Kind of an exciting night there oh, downtown yeah. for the Art Walk. Right. The Art Walk is always a great event. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. You can't beat that. That's right. That's Yeah, absolutely. And then bands that are playing, but mm-hmm. one that I do want to make note of that night is at the Barrel Room at the Twisted Vine, and they, they focus on blues and jazz for the most part, more to the blues side than jazz. Mm-hmm. But there's a band playing there that night, saw probably about a year and a half ago. Okay, who's that? Brian Lee. Brian Lee. Okay, yeah, he's the, the Braille Blues Jazz. Yes. We saw him, we walk in and we're like, this guy is incredible, man. Like, I, we were just like in awe. And it's incredible. Like, ah, it, it, I, I can't wait to go back and see it. And I'm like, <laughs> so is he blues, jazz? Oh, uh, he's pretty straight up blues. He's, uh, he's a, what a cover charge? The, I think they charge like a $10 cover mm-hmm. usually to get in there. But there might be a little bit more that night. But definitely worth the cover charge and definitely worth it to go see that show. He starts playing at 9 p.m. I think they play until midnight. 
it's in the barrel room. So, but yeah, that's um, that's a good venue to always keep your eye on because they've always they're always bringing in national acts, and it's a pretty good show. So, so yeah, so October fifth, I'm very torn. I don't know what to do with myself. I have too many choices. <laughs> that's where I have to take a couple of naps just to re-energize and get through the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe that high-octane uh, coffee. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> also, another exciting thing on October 5th. I mean, October 5th is like a big day around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so- Society, which is a new restaurant here in Bell Tower Shops, Soul Elixir, which is also a local band out of Cape Coral. It's a three-piece band. They do indie rock and soul. They're doing their EP release party that night from 8 to 12. So that's exciting for them. And then, oh, on October 4th, I have to say this, my band, my reggae band, Soflo, will be playing at the Treehouse at Society also. So if you like reggae, these guys are rocking it. Um, They just released their full-length album at the end of June, Such Is Life, and it's already number four. On the iTunes reggae charts and number five on the Billboard reggae charts. So wow. if you ever get a chance to hear these guys, they're a lot of fun. They're a, a rock reggae band. You can ke- kind of hear a little bit of classical undertones. They do have a trombone player, which really adds a unique yeah, sound like to the band. Yeah, and they're just, they're high energy. They're fun. They have great, great lyrics. It's just, it's a fun band. And that's the only night that I see them playing for a while. So if you're around on Thursday, October 4th from 9 to 12, go check them out at Society. Okay, that's like crazy. Okay, Saturday, <laughs> October 13th. All right, here we go. Saturday, October 13th, we got Scotty McCreary playing at the ranch. Remember Scotty from yes. American Idol? Yes. Okay, he'll be going to be playing at the ranch. Seven, well, doors open at 7 o'clock. He'll probably have a warm-up band. If you want to go hear Scotty, that would be a fun thing to do. And then the following week on the 19th at the ranch, the fabulous Thunderbirds will be playing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hadn't heard them in a while. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, and of course, the weekend of the 19th to the 21st is when Oktoberfest opens up in Cape Coral. There we go. German Americans feel like this is the real deal. Biggest party of the year in Cape Coral. Like, (laughs) two weekends in a row. (laughs) Good thing. They actually have two bands from Germany that are going to be playing, but they got three stages, live music. They got two dance floors, got chicken dance, whole nine yards. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need lots of walking and lots of coffee for that with all that good food. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And a nap. For sure. Uber, if you if you work for Uber, you should be making a lot of money, I'm just saying. <laughs> Hi, excuse me, Uber, is that space available? I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Dave, that's how you do it. <laughs> October 19th is Music Walk Downtown Fort Myers. That's always a fun thing to do on the third Friday of every month. So that's from 6 to 10. Again, a lot of musicians hanging out, playing inside the bars, out on the street. Let's see. And if you're into rock and roll, the best to go hear that, like good rock, hard rock, is Cigar Bar. So put a plug in for that one. It's a two-section place. So on one side, it's a Cigar Bar lounge and then the other side is the bar with the live music so yeah 
What else do we have going on? Oh, this is exciting. Okay, Sunday the 21st. Sunday the 21st, the Doobie Brothers. What? What? Yeah. The Doobie Brothers are playing at the Suncoast Credit Union Arena, which is the new arena that they just built at the Florida Southwestern campus. So they're playing there at 7 o'clock. And then two nights later, on the 23rd, at the Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Center, which is right in the same parking lot. Are you ready? Okay. Bob Bob Dylan. (gasps) Really? Wow. Yes. (laughs) I know. But then three days later on Friday the 26th, Toto will be playing. Oh, my gosh. Hold the line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hold Mm -hmm. the line. (laughs) I know. It sounds like we're going to be uh, doing a sleepover and a road trip there, Kat, with call Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Carry on. Well, I haven't been to the uh, Suncoast Credit Union Arena, so I don't know what that venue setup is like. But Barbara B. Mann, if you haven't been there, I mean, there's really not a bad seat in the house. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, there are the best seats, but it's a nice venue. So I was looking. I think Bob Bob Dylan tickets started right at ninety three, ninety five, and Toto I think was starting around seventy five. But and I just yeah. remember the first time Bob Dylan. I think I paid fifteen bucks for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's insane. I just, yeah, so I'm really, like, thinking about going to see Bob Dylan because I haven't seen him, and how can you not say that, you, you know, I had the opportunity to see Bob Dylan. I didn't go, really. <laughs> <laughs> Being an art course, not an end. How, so how was the Bob Dylan concert? I, 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 I didn't go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, do it for the show, Sandra. <laughs> Do it for the show. <laughs> With pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, so oh, man. like you said, there's a lot going on down there, and I'm sure that's just like the tip of the iceberg going on around there. I mean, you, we, we didn't expect you to be able to cover it all. So. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But way to go. Sandra, I, again, like I said, I, I know that's probably just a tip of the iceberg, but uh, wow, what a lot of great information in there. Fort Myers is happening in place. A Absolutely. lot of good stuff to check out. Absolutely. And I will say today, this is the last weekend of the Island Hopper Songwriter Fest, and uh, it's down on Fort Myers Beach. So I was down there <laughs> last weekend, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, very, it's very exciting, very exciting around here to see what all's going on. Right. So, Miss Sandra, you pretty much got your your list covered there for now? Ah, uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> That's just October. It's just October. That's right. That's right. October. We didn't even talk about Halloween things going on the heck. <laughs> That's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, good deal. Well, you have to run, and great job. So, Sandra... Thank you. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Sandra. We will get back with you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Guys. We'll talk to you soon. So, Kat, we are out of time. Oh, no. Yeah. We are going to have to wrap this one up. So I'm going to say you have a good day. And you have a wonderful day, too. Yeah. Oh, what fun this is. Time flies. Yeah. I guess it's time to go get some more coffee, isn't it? It is. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Love it. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone... 
We appreciate you joining us again. The episode of Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. Thank you for joining us for another episode. And uh, we will talk to you all soon. Oh, yes. And blessings, everyone. There you go. I wonder if Sandra's going to answer the phone next time we call her. <laughs> this is Partnership for the Arts talk show. Thanks for joining us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can find this and other episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show, or you can find us on our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. This show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I think we got to have another talk with, with, with the co-host on the show. There, you have all these, <laughs> or, or maybe we could go into edible crayons. Oh yeah. <laughs> But, uh, what would you call that, the culinary arts? <laughs> <laughs> but as we know from someone when they were a child, trying those, uh, they kind of all taste the same, don't they? They taste the same. I was so upset when I found out that the uh, yellow tasted like the blue, and I was expecting lime or blueberry or whatever it was, and um, that didn't work. Well, maybe the red tastes different. No, what about the orange? <laughs> Why did this all end up being wet? <laughs> I did. Okay. I know. I know, Dave's like, oh, call me. I'm like, I don't have time to call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, that's that's kind of reference true because I, I, I have been bugging Sandra and saying, we're locking down a date to do the show, and Sandra's like, i got all this art stuff going on. It's like, we're going to take a few minutes and tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know.